Has this ever happened to you? You've had a problem and someone has said to you, you just have to cast the care. And have you then thought, what do you mean? In this series, we are going to learn what care is, why it's so detrimental and how to cast it onto the Lord. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. And welcome back to Faith Talks, where we learn how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part two of my series, How to Cast Your Care. And last week, we started off by talking about why we need to cast our care. Why does God want us to cast our care? And we identified the four reasons, one being that carrying care chokes the word. So God doesn't want the word to be ineffective or not bear fruit in our lives. And that's why he tells us to cast the care because otherwise that care will choke the word and make it unfruitful. The second reason God tells us to cast the care is because care has negative physical and emotional effects on our body, our relationships, our finances, all kinds of things are affected negatively when we carry care, worry, stress and anxiety. The third reason is that carrying care makes us easy prey for the enemy. And why is that? Because care slows us down, it encumbers us, it weighs us down And that makes us easy prey for the enemy. And that's why God tells us to cast our care. And finally, carrying care is a form of pride. Pride says, I got this. I can handle this. I can figure out what to do. I know what to do. Pride distrusts the Lord's ability to provide. It distrusts God to keep his word. Pride believes that they can manage better by themselves, but humility says, I don't got this, Lord. I need you. I need you to help me. And so casting our care is how we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we know that when we cast our care, that grace is on its way because God opposes the proud. He resists the proud person, the person who says, I can do it. I've got this. I know what to do. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Then we started to talk about some of the things that cause care. The main one being the main cause of care is trying to figure out solutions to the problems in our lives, in the world, by ourselves. And we looked at that passage in Luke chapter 5 verse 4 to 6 where Jesus tells Simon to cast the nets down into the deep for a catch. And Simon said that they had toiled all night. So they had exerted great mental and physical labor trying to get a result. But when they got a word from the Lord, they got totally different and instant results. And so trying to figure out solutions to our problems is one of the main reasons and the main causes for care. So today we're going to talk about a couple more reasons or causes of care. Another main cause of care is sin or works consciousness. 
sin or works consciousness. What does that mean? The Bible calls the devil our adversary. Remember in that passage in 1 Peter 5 verse 5 to 7, it says to be sober and to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil. That word adversary is the Greek word antidikos. And that literally means a prosecutor in a courtroom, the person trying to bring charges against you. You may have watched a courtroom drama or, you know, some kind of movie or TV show set in a courtroom and you have a judge that's presiding over the case and then in the witness box you have the defendant who is the person that is being charged with the offence and the prosecutor comes up and he's accusing them. He's saying, you did this, you were there, you don't have a good alibi. And he's hurling accusations at the defendant that's sitting there. And this is what the devil does to us. He is our adversary. He is our antidikos. He is the prosecutor, the person trying to bring charges against us. And he accuses us and he digs up evidence to oppose our righteousness, to oppose our healing, to oppose our salvation, to oppose our deliverance. And he tries to talk us into accepting our problem because of something we did or didn't do. And he'll say things like, you deserve to have this skin cancer because you laid out in the sun all day, every day when you were young. And now this is what you did. You've done this to yourself. This is your fault. Or you haven't been doing your confessions. If you had done more confessions every day, then you would be seeing results by now. Or he'll say something like, look at the way you acted. You spoke. You behaved. You failed. You failed. You may as well chuck it all in now because there's no way that you can expect to receive a manifestation after the way you behaved yesterday. And his accusations are based on what we have or haven't been doing. And his accusations stir up fear. They stir up worry, condemnation, guilt, and shame because we are being accused of something we did or didn't do right. But in Ephesians 2 verse 8, It says, God tells us, for by grace we have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. By grace, we have been saved through faith. It's not nothing to do with us. It's not based on our performance. It's the gift of God. It's not by what we do or don't do right. Therefore, we can't boast about our salvation, having earned our salvation. It is a gift of God. Our righteousness, which is our healing, our deliverance, our provision and our peace, is not based on our performance. It's not based on what we do or don't do right. It's based on the love of God for us and the sacrifice of Jesus. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you received salvation, you received forgiveness of your past, your present, and your future sins. God no longer sees your sin. Your sin is no longer an issue to God. He doesn't see it. It's not a barrier between you and him. It is a non-issue. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't remember it. He doesn't see it. The only way that sin can be a hindrance to us is if we 
think that it's going to keep us from something that God has provided for us. And that's why God says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are already cleansed from all unrighteousness. Our sins are forgiven once and for all. So if we do sin, we don't have to confess them before the Lord for him to forgive us, but we confess them so that we can remind ourselves of our righteousness and the devil can't condemn us. He can't accuse us. He can't bring us before the courts of law and try and prove us guilty. So when he comes to us with an accusation, when the devil comes to us with an accusation such as, look how you messed up, look what you did, look what you said, look what you didn't do or look what you did do, you can say to him, I am forgiven. No, I am not going to listen to you. I am forgiven. Thank you, Lord. You've forgiven me once and for all. My sin is no longer an issue to you. You've forgiven me for that slip up, Lord, and I forgive myself. Now get behind me, Satan. And that's why we confess our sins. We confess our sins to clear our conscience so the devil can't condemn us and guilt us and shame us into thinking that it's by our works that we earn salvation. Now, I just want to clarify something. I'm not saying that there are no consequences to sin. I'm not saying that it's okay to sin because the wages of sin is still death. There are negative consequences to sin. And if we continue to sin, if we continue to do something that we know is wrong, then there will be negative consequences to that. For example, if you know that you need to forgive someone and you refuse to forgive them and you keep holding on to unforgiveness, then there will be negative consequences to that. Not because God is punishing you, but because the wages of sin is still death. But God has forgiven us of all sin, past, present and future, because he does not want sin to be a barrier to us receiving everything that he's given us by his grace. So when we do sin and we know it and we are uh, conscious of it and we repent of it, then we can no longer be accused of sin by the accuser. The devil can no longer come to us and say it's because of what you did. So I'm not saying it's okay to sin. I'm just saying that sin is not a barrier to us receiving the blessings of God unless we continue to do it after God has told us not to do it, after the Holy Spirit has shown us where we need to change our ways, an area we may need to improve in. That's the only time that sin can hinder us from receiving. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Sin is a weight. Sin, missing the mark, a failure, you know, doing something that we shouldn't have done is a weight. It can become a weight to us. It can hinder us and it can slow us down. But what does God say? He says to lay it aside. In the Greek, it also means to cast it off. Why do we have to cast it off? Because it's an encumbrance. It weighs us down and it entangles us. Sin consciousness or being conscious of our own performance is a care. 
And it just like we cast our care onto the Lord, we cast off the weight of the sin, which would easily entangle us. We can roll the care of where we may have messed up over onto the Lord because we know that he is faithful and just and has forgiven us and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And then because we've laid it aside and because we've cast it off, there's nothing preventing us from carrying on running the race with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, who is the word and his promises to us. Isn't that awesome? Another source of care is found in Matthew 6 verse 25. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. And these are all called the cares of this life. The cares of this life, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to put in our body, what we're going to do with our finances, what we're going to wear, how we're going to send our kids to school. All of those things are cares of this life and they are a source of care. People worry about money. They worry about how they're going to pay the bills, where the money's going to come from. They worry about their future, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, how they're going to get there. People worry about what people think of them. Did they like what I say? Did they like you know, how I treated them, what are they thinking? They have a fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted by people. People worry about what they eat or drink. We see this so much more in today's society. You know, there's gluten-free this, there's paleo this, there's, you know, eat vegan, eat vegetarian, eat meat, don't eat meat, eat dairy, but just a little bit. Don't drink caffeine, but maybe just drink a little bit of caffeine. Take supplements, you know, all of these things, all these different diets and things like that. People are worried about what they eat or drink. Now, I might be rubbing someone up the wrong way when I say this, but I have to always bring everything back to what does the word say? We always have to bring everything back to what does the word say about it? And society has all of these opinions and doctrines about our food and what we eat and what we drink. And I, you know, I understand that some people for medical reasons genuinely can't eat certain kinds of food. However, not once in the Bible does it mention that Jesus couldn't heal someone because of the food that they were eating. It doesn't mention anywhere that someone was sick or died because of the food that they ate. In fact, in Matthew 15 verse 11, Jesus said that a man is not defiled not made unclean by what enters his mouth or what goes into his mouth, but by what comes out of it. In other words, we are not made unclean by what we eat or drink, but we are made unclean by what comes out of our mouth, our idle, negative, complaining words, our words of death that are unleashed in the areas of our lives. Life and death are in the power of our tongue. It's what comes out of our mouth that defiles us. And remember that Mark 4 says that the cares of life, money, health, finances, future, children, marriage, jobs, the cares of life choke the word and make it unfruitful. They choke the word. They choke the word seed that we're planting for our health. They choke the word seed we're planting for our relationships or our finances or our children. They choke the word and they make it unfruitful. And what does the Bible say about that? 
in verse 31 of that passage in Matthew 6, it says, Therefore, do not worry, or in other words, do not carry care about it, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all of these things, the Gentiles, the heathens, the people who don't have a covenant with God, who don't know that they have a right standing with God, they are the ones that seek after these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Have you ever noticed that kids are mostly always happy? They don't walk around all day going, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to pay for my school fees. I just don't know how I'm going to save up money for that new toy that I want. Oh, how am I going to do it? Where is my next meal coming from? Little kids, they don't worry about anything. They don't get stressed about how they're going to provide for themselves or what they're going to eat or what they're going to drink. They don't stress and worry about where their next clothes are coming from. They don't worry about it. My kids last year for Christmas were giving, given an inflatable pool and it only took a couple of days before they'd put a hole in it and it started to deflate and we'd, we'd still pump it up but it would go down really quickly. And my middle son Patrick says, oh well mum, you're just going to have to buy a new one. You know, like no, no big deal. We've wrecked it but you're just going to have to buy a new one. Kids know that mum and dad are going to take care of them and we have a heavenly father who knows what we need. He knows what we need for our health, our finances, our marriage, our children, our future. He knows what food's good for us and what's not. He says, don't worry about it. He says to seek first to the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things that you need will be added to you. It's the same principle as trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and let him direct you. Let him take care of you. If there's something you shouldn't be eating, he'll tell you. If there's something you should be eating, he'll tell you. You know, it's like those movies where I don't know if you've seen those movies where someone's trying to get inside a house and, you know, it's done in a comedic way, but the person is trying to get into the house and they try this window and they try that one and they go around the house and they, they try another window and they, they jiggle that doorknob and then they end up climbing up the side of the house to try and get into the second story window. And all the time, the front door was unlocked and they could have just walked in the front door. They could have saved themselves a lot of time and a lot of hassle by just opening the front door sometimes I feel like that God's like that the front door is unlocked and it's open but we go around trying all the windows trying all the side doors looking for ways to get in to get the answer to our problem and all the time the easiest and simplest way is right there in front of us you know Proverbs chapter 1 talks all about wisdom and it says that wisdom cries aloud outside she raises her voice in the open squares she cries out at the head of the noisy street and at the entrance of the city she speaks wisdom is easy to find it's there it's right in front of us and it's not hiding in the secret places it's in the noisy intersections it's at the head of the streets it's in the open squares it's all of those places that are noisy and bustling and and full of uh, distraction wisdom is there for us 
God isn't hiding wisdom from us. It's right there, but we have to open our ears to hear it. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. We have to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. And then wisdom will come to us. We will find wisdom. Knowledge will be added to us and then God can direct our paths. Worrying about our food, worrying about our finances, worrying about our children, worrying about our future, worrying about where our, you know, all our food, what we're eating and drinking. Those are all cares. They are the cares of this life. And the word says that they choke the word. They choke the word and they make it unfruitful. And that's why God says to cast the care of it onto him and let him care for us. Another source of care, and this is a really big one, and I know most of us have dealt with this often, more times than once probably, the care of what we are or aren't doing right. I get a lot of questions from people about this. I've tried the word, I've done my confessions, I've spoken to the mountain, I'm guarding my mouth, I'm you know, doing everything that I know to do and it's still not working. What aren't I doing right? What am I missing? Sometimes when it seems to be taking a long time to see the manifestation of what we are believing for, we start to question ourselves. What am I not doing right? What am I not doing right? And can you see how that's a subtle change of direction from resting in the finished works of Jesus to slipping back and relying on our performance, relying on what we are or aren't doing right. We slip back from trusting God's word, trusting that everything that we need has already been given to us and we start looking at what we are or aren't doing right to earn our healing, to earn our deliverance. And it's really subtle, but this, guys, is a trick of the enemy And it gets us back into relying on our performance to earn our healing, earn provision, earn our manifestation. We always have to remind ourselves that we are not fighting for healing. We're not fighting to get healed or to get deliverance in whatever area of our lives we're speaking the word for. We are not trying to get it. We already have it. Those things are already ours. We are simply defending and maintaining what God has already given us and we're using the word we're using our authority we're using the principle of speaking to the mountain we're using the principle of guarding our mouth and only saying what God says we're using those principles to maintain what Jesus has obtained for us I truly believe that whatever we are facing in life, we need to say what God says about it. Absolutely. That's why he's given us his word so that we can speak his word over situations. And I truly believe that if we only say what God says about it and we guard our mouth and we refuse to say anything that does not agree with the word of God, that the only thing left after that is to continue to say what God says about it until we see what God says about it. If you are saying what God says about your situation and you are only saying what God says about your situation, then keep doing that. 
that's it keep going it's not about what you're doing wrong or not doing you just have to keep doing what you're doing keep doing what you're doing Ephesians 6 verse 13 says stand your ground and having done everything to stand continue standing the amplified version of that verse says having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place fully prepared immovable victorious so sometimes it's not it's nothing to do with what we are or aren't doing right we've done everything that we can to stand we're saying what god says about our situation we're only saying what god says about our situation we've checked our heart to make sure that no unforgiveness is there that may be causing a blockage in receiving And then once we've done that, we just have to continue to stand, continue to stand your ground. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, do not throw away your confidence for it carries a great reward. You need to persevere so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Notice that it says, do not throw away your confidence. What is your confidence? Your confidence is that God is faithful to his word. Your confidence is that the word works for whoever will put it to work. Your confidence is that it is impossible that the word of God fail. Your confidence is that if you say what God says and continue to say what God says, that you will see what God says. That is your confidence. And what does it say? Don't throw it away. (laughs) don't think that it's not working don't get discouraged because it carries a great reward but it says you need to persevere you need to be patient you need to continue doing that because after you have done the will of God you have done the word of God you will receive the promise you will receive the promise you will receive the result of what you are persevering for If you look at Mark 4, verse 26 to 27, this is really encouraging. Remember, this is the parable of the sower. And the sower, remember that this parable, that all other parables and principles found in the word of God are built on this framework, the framework and the principle of the sower sowing the word. And it says in Mark 4, verse 26 to 27, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day he sleeps and wakes up and the seed springs and grows up even though he does not know how. So what does this mean? The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed into the ground. So you could say it's like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. So a farmer plants the seed in the ground and then what does he do? Faithfully, night and day, he waters it. He protects it from thorns, weeds and birds. He gets up in the morning and goes to bed each night. He doesn't know how the ground is working on the seed. He just trusts that the ground is doing what it's been designed by God to do. And that is go to work on that seed to produce a harvest. We are the sowers and we sow the word. We sow and water the word seed by speaking it. We protect it from thorns and weeds by casting the cares that choke the word 
onto the Lord and by only saying what God says. That's how we protect it from thorns and weeds. Then we continue to do that night and day. We don't know how the ground of our hearts is going to work on the seed, but we trust that the ground of our hearts will do what God has designed them to do, and that is to go to work on the word seed to produce a harvest. Our job is simply to be patient and to diligently water and protect that seed. And that's it. We don't have to understand how it works. We just have to believe and trust that it does work and do what is necessary to make it work. In James 1 verse 2 to 5, it says, My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying and testing of your faith works patience or employs patience. And what does it say about employing our patience? It says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. When we're going through a test and a trial, this is the time to put our patience to work. We have to employ patience. A lot of the translations of this verse say that the trying and the testing of our faith produces patience, but that's actually an inaccurate translation. The trying and the testing of our faith doesn't produce patience. The trying and the testing of our faith employs our patience. That's the time when we have to put our patience to work. Because if we do, patience will take us through to the other side of that trial where we are perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And that's why we can be joyful about it. That's why God says to count it all joy. Because we know that if we employ our patience, then on the other side of that is perfection, completion, and lacking in nothing. The Bible says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So again, remember, it's not necessarily something that you are or aren't doing right. It is simply that you have to employ patience and keep doing. You know, the Bible says that the just live by faith. Guys, faith isn't somewhere that we visit when we find ourselves in the middle of a trial. It's not our backup plan. It's not our, you know, first aid kit to the problems of life. Faith is where we live. Faith is where we abide. Faith is what we do all day, every day for the rest of our lives. The just shall live by faith. And if we put patience together with our faith, then we will see the promises in every area of our lives. If you look at the next part of that verse in James chapter 1, verse 5, God's told us to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the trying and the testing of our faith employs patience. Let patience have its perfect work so that we may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And then directly after that, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. So this is the extra boost that you may need along with your patience. So you're applying your patience to your faith. And then God says, if you lack wisdom. So if you think that there's something that you may be doing wrong or that you need to do more of, if those thoughts come to you, what am I doing wrong? Where am I missing it? God even tells us the answer to that. He says, if you lack wisdom, if you lack the wisdom to get you through this trial, 
ask me, ask me for wisdom and I will give it to you. I will give it to you liberally and without reproach. I will give it to you. If thoughts come to you that, oh, it's taking too long. What am I doing wrong? God says, ask me for wisdom. I'll give you more than enough. And again, this is where we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of being and doing right, his way of doing things. And all the things we need will be added to to us. See, what happens is, is we find ourselves in a trial and we start confessing the word and we start declaring what God says over about it. And then we don't see the results that we want as soon as we want. And then we start looking at all of the things that we might be doing wrong when we start trying different things. Well, the word's not working, so I'm going to try eating this uh, differently or you know, doing that differently, or I'm going to try this differently with my finances. And we move ourselves off a position of trusting in the Lord. And then we start leaning on our own understanding. Oh, the trusting in the Lord part's not working. So I'm going to start leaning on my own understanding instead. And see, that's another part, another point in another fork in the road where we should be instead of swerving off course and starting to lean on our own understanding, instead of swerving off course and starting to carry the care of it again. This is where, again, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. And God says, ask me for wisdom. When you get to that fork in the road and you don't know what to do, ask me for wisdom. And instead of carrying care about what we are or aren't doing right, we can cast it straight over onto the Lord and say, Lord, I need wisdom. Where am I missing it? Lord, I thank you that you give me the wisdom that I need for this situation and you give it to me liberally and you don't tell me off for asking for it. And we run straight to our Heavenly Father who knows all, who is the expert in every part of our lives and he will tell us all and he's not withholding any wisdom from us. He wants us to succeed. He's given us his word. He's given us authority over the devil. He's given us the name of Jesus and he wants to give us all the wisdom that we're lacking if there's something that we need to do or change. This became extremely clear to me when my daughter was in hospital. And you may have heard the testimony of when my daughter was born prematurely and everything that I learned through that journey in hospital with her. And this happened to me. When she was in hospital, I was confessing the word of God over her. I was speaking the word of God over her. Night and day, I I believed that I was trusting in the Lord with all my heart. I was fully persuaded that the word of God would do what God said the word would do. I felt that I was doing everything I could to, you know, see a good outcome to that situation. But she started to go downhill. And in spite of all of my words speaking and trusting in the Lord, she was deteriorating. And it got to the point where she was literally on the edge of life and death. And so instead of throwing in the towel and thinking, oh, well, the word doesn't work, I asked God for wisdom. I said, Lord, where am I missing it? I know your word works. I know that you are faithful to your word. Where am I missing it? And guess what? He gave me the wisdom. He showed me that I was speaking words that were contrary to the word. I was letting salt water and fresh water come from the same spring. I was speaking the word, confessing the word over her, but I was also talking about the problem. And as soon as I changed that, as soon as I refused to talk about the problem or say anything that was not, she is strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, she is 
perfect and complete, lacking nothing. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. As soon as I refused to say anything that was different from what God said about her, she got stronger and stronger and she came home alive, well, and perfect and complete. And see, I ran straight to the Heavenly Father who holds back nothing from us, who gives us wisdom liberally. And I asked him to show me where I was going wrong. So instead of trying to figure it out all in my own strength or doing anything in the natural to try and help the situation, at that point, I asked God for wisdom and he gave it to me. And that answer that he gave me was exactly what I needed to see the victory in that situation. You know, we have to remind ourselves that God knows a lot. He's pretty smart. He is the expert on all things related to walking by faith and seeing the manifestation of what the word promises. And remember that wisdom is calling aloud. She is shouting from every fork in the road. She is screaming from the busy intersections. She is calling aloud in the bustling squares. But if we don't have ears to hear her, if we are too busy carrying our care, being worried and anxious and stressed, We're not going to hear wisdom. God can't get wisdom to us when we are refusing to cast the care. Remember, he resists the proud. He resists the people who say, I can do this. I've got this. I can figure it out. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives all the wisdom and all the help needed to the humble, the person who says, Lord, I need you. I need your help. He gives grace to the person that casts the care. We have to remind ourselves, guys, that God loves us. God wants to help us. He's not withholding anything from us, but he can only help the people who humble themselves and cast the care. And I actually cover all of what I've just talked about in more detail in episodes 36 to 38, what to do when you're in a trial. And I go a lot more in depth in that passage in James chapter one. So again, we've run out of time. So I'm going to finish this off here. And next week we will cover the final part of this series, which is how, how do we cast the care? So I hope that you've learned something valuable from everything we've discussed so far. So join me next week for the very important and very essential how-tos. How do we cast the care? So thank you so much for joining me, guys. Stay blessed and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, and you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.